0: the book of Matthew chapter 5 we're just going to read verse 8 today and then we will pray blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God Almighty God our Father and King we come before you today and we confess our great need as we confront this concept before us this morning Lord we're very thankful for all the things you've given and done in our hearts, in our lives. We thank you that there is good news out there. We pray that we would become ambassadors of the good news, not merely the good news of the gospel, but the good news that is prevalent, present in our culture so that people would not despair. We pray especially, Lord, for our young people who are bombarded daily with messages that seem to be negative and undermining for any hope of the future that they might have we pray for them i pray especially for them this morning lord to receive the word grant that they will understand lord it is not a religion of adults it is a faith for all who can name the name of christ Father, for those of us who are older and more experienced in life, this passage seems especially challenging. I pray that you would grant me the ability to unpack it in its fullness, and may the Holy Spirit do what no man can do, Father, open the ears and open the heart to receive And to respond to the word today as it comes forward. We pray for this in Jesus name. Amen. So we've been in this series and I want to just always remind you the spirit, the sermon and the struggle. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount and we are unpacking the aspects of the what the spirit says through the Sermon on the Mount and his special presence but also the struggle of spiritual warfare and we've said repeatedly spiritual warfare does not is not limited to the idea of battling demons the real demon we have to battle is the one that goes around with us every day and this becomes especially uh, illustrated this morning with this statement blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god Now, there is a degree of simplicity about this that almost all the commentaries agree on when they say it is referring to a singleness of of mind, single-mindedness, single purpose. And the way we would say it is that God is everything to us. The word biblical commentary says, This beatitude takes for granted right actions, but asks for integrity in the conduct of those actions. Another way of putting this is in terms of single-mindedness. Then you see the New International Bible Commentary, which says the primary reference is to single-mindedness, to be freed from the tyranny of the divided self. That is, God is everything we look at, everything we want, everything we desire, pure in heart. God is first and foremost in our minds and in our hearts. Now, the writer of the book of James says this in chapter 4 verse 8. Notice the echo. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's showing that the purity of heart, not that we should dismiss any other moral issue, but purity of heart is really about a single-minded approach to God and a focus upon him. Here's what the 24th Psalm says. And get this, because it's clear that both Jesus and James are drawing their thoughts from this 24th chapter of Psalms. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Now, notice, please, that when we talk about swearing to what is false, it's not talking about affirming a lie in this text, although that would be applicable, but it's really talking about an idol, that you have something else in your life besides God who is demanding your attention. It's so very important for us to understand this. So the simple definition is that it is talking about single-mindedness. Pure in heart means your focus is on God and God only. But the simple definition doesn't really help us very much, does it? Because we are all conscious of the fact that we do not live our lives that way. We do not claim to be hypocrites, but it's often true that we sing songs about how God is number one in our lives when he isn't. We have this idea. It is one of the most difficult. Remember the other week we talked about blessed are the merciful. And we said merciful was difficult because it seems to imply you're saved by acts of mercy. And we needed to unpack that to see again that we are saved by grace. But notice that this one is difficult as it relates to the others. Again, the word biblical commentary says, This beatitude is the most difficult to relate to the others perhaps to indicate that even for the downtrodden and oppressed, for those to whom the good news of the kingdom comes, an inner purity is also required, and it's not something that can be predisposed. In other words, you cannot say, well, I'm a downtrodden, I'm a victim, I'm oppressed, surely I'm going to get in because of that. And he says, no, no, even the people that mourn and go down the list we've already looked at, they have to have purity of heart. Now notice this, it's not pick any three of the Beatitudes. This is what makes this so challenging and reminds us of how greatly we need Christ because it's like they're layered on top of each other. And each one, when you think, I got it, I got it, boom, you come to the next one and it challenges us even further. Now this is not something new, by the way. John Chrysostom, who died, one of the church fathers, who died in the year 407, in commenting on this passage, says this, there are many who show mercy, who refuse to rob others, and who are not covetous, but who still may remain entangled in sins like fornication and licentiousness. Jesus adds these words to indicate the former virtues do not suffice in and of themselves. And I will remind you this morning that there is no end of the road for the Christian except heaven. You never get to a place in this life where you say, I got it, I made it, I'm in, that's all that matters. No, no, it is a perpetual process of growth in the Christian life where God is calling us again and again. It is very important to see this. Now, one of the reasons why this passage is probably more complex or difficult than some of the others, this beatitude, I should say, is because the others, to some extent, we have the ability to do at least partially what they command. So our last beatitude was blessed be the merciful, and most of us can relate to that. Most of us are merciful. There are some of us who perhaps are too merciful in some respects, but most of us relate to being merciful. You see an accident along the road, you stop, you get out, you check on the inhabitants or you see a fire engine or you hear a rescue squad i know what i do every time i hear that i pray for the people wherever they're going that's an act of mercy many of us might bite our tongue when we're in the line at walmart or somewhere because we know the cashier may have had a bad day and we're going to cut him some slack so we know how to be merciful but when you come to this one purity of heart that's where it really gets to how am i to achieve purity of heart blessed are pure in heart how do i achieve that in light of what the scripture says about the human heart i know we've touched on this and mentioned it in passing at different settings where your mind is not focused completely and solely on god we've talked about in a couple people here we've talked about the fact when you're praying you start out praying for this and a few minutes later you catch yourself and you're out in outer space thinking about something completely unrelated to your prayer single-mindedness whoa we got to get back over here that happens to me all the time see i'm a preacher by nature that means i i'm praying and i'll be praying about something and then i'll think of something i'm praying about and i'll start and the next thing i know i'm down the road talking about that in the room by myself <laughs> none of you do that but the pastor does it all the time and uh, uh and 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 the same way with reading you're reading the bible and then some pops in your mind. And the next thing you know, you're three pages down, or you've finished that psalm or that chapter, and you cannot remember a word that you read. This is what we're talking about, the singleness of mind, and what causes that? Something in my heart keeps getting in the way of what I want to do and be for God. And this is the problem. James Montgomery Boyce says this verse actually says that we are to be pure in heart. And this gets quickly to the core of the problem because the heart of man is impure. This is the whole story of the human race. I thought about, you know, I wrote this piece for the paper and I thought about the next piece I want to write for the paper is about, you know, that old thing of bo- most people are basically good. If most people, If most people are basically good, why is the world in such a mess? And some of the stuff, I mean, you all don't hear about some of the stuff that's going on out there. Thank God you don't. Most people are basically good. No, it's not true. The scripture says clearly that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Now, that's that's the English Standard Version. And it's one of the verses, probably the first verse I found in the English Standard Version that I don't think is strong enough. Because the King James says the heart is desperately wicked. And a little bit of difference between wickedness and sickness. Sickness, you think, I can recover. But the Bible describes a heart that is so wicked, you can't fix it. So what am I supposed to do? Purity of heart. Have a pure heart. Are you kidding? When my heart is so corrupt and twisted. This is the problem of humankind. I've told you this many times, but I repeat it. The great... Gilbert Chesterton, who was a Catholic apologist in a previous century, said that the original sin can be proved by opening the newspaper and looking at the madness that we embrace and defend. Oh God, our hearts are wicked and broken, and we come to this passage then, and we hear that kingdom people are supposed to have a pure heart. Now, for those of us who perhaps feel as though I'm not that bad. And we believe in common grace, which says we're not as bad as we could be. God restrains. It isn't pure accident that there's only been a few Hitlers in human history. And Genghis Khan's and and other people of that heinous nature. That's not accident. That's God restraining wickedness. And keeping it from being as bad as it could be. And if you here today are saying, oh, I'm not as bad as that, give God praise and give God credit and don't take it upon yourself as though you somehow have risen above the problems of all humankind. Listen to Psalm 15. I have to read it because it's very long. Five verses, but it's a little big for a couple of slides. I want you to hear it. And I want us to think together about which one of us has never ever transgress these thoughts. O Lord, who shall dwell in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. He who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised? Can I pause a moment there? Have you ever watched a movie? Now, you may not know this, but back in the 50s in Hollywood, the bad guys couldn't get away with stuff, it was forbidden. If a man and woman were having an affair in the movie, one of them had to die at the end of the movie. They could not get away with that. If you robbed a bank, you had to get caught in the end of the movie. That was the law. Now, have you ever watched a movie and found yourself rooting for the bad guy? (laughs) Anybody in the room? And you know, in your mind, you know they're not going to get away with it, but you're saying, man, who This is our culture today. A vile person. Do we despise vile people? Oh, well, we, we can't even agree on what a vile person is. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest, and this is an individual relationship, not a business, if you're in business, and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. That's purity of heart. That's the the Old Testament Beatitudes. And you can see that. What do we do now? We're in trouble. Listen to this passage. Remember when, when, the, uh, when the disciples came and the Pharisees talked to them about washing their hands. You don't wash your hands before you eat. And some people manufactured the old saying, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. You should be clean. We want you to be clean. My wife wants me to be clean. I try to bathe at least twice a week. (laughs) Wednesdays and Sundays, you don't come by any other day. It's not true, but it's funny. And they said, you don't wash your hands before you eat, you're defiling yourself. And Jesus says this, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. In Mark's list, it gives even more. He says, These are the things. That's what's in there. How, dear God, how? Am I to get a pure heart when my heart is so corrupt and broken and dirty and defiled? We're in a mess. We're in trouble, aren't we? I wish I could see the hand of everyone who will say to me today, that you can control your dreams. Lisa wakes up sometimes. I wake up sometimes and she's talking about this awful, these awful dreams. I I, I have a recurring dream, and, and, and just stay with me, okay? I'm always, I've always done something like killed somebody, and they're gonna send me to jail, and I'm living at the fear of I'm gonna be in a cage the rest of my life. Now, why do you dream dreams like that? Because something's wrong inside. We we, we have this beatitude. The kingdom people are people that have a pure heart. God is their only concern. And every one of us have to nod our heads in agreement that it is not how we live our lives. Listen to D.A. Carson. He says... Purity of heart must never be confused with outward conformity to rules. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, you guys clean the outside of the cup, but inside it's full of dirty stuff. Clean the inside if you're so good, is his point. Purity of heart. Now, in our culture today, it's not its true. It's, it, is, it is true in a, in a little bit of a sense. And, and some of you older folks can remember this probably a little better. But in a previous generation, it was a noble thing. It was expected that you would go to church. You were just supposed to go to church. And there would be in every community, and there still are to some extent, prestigious churches where all the bigwigs went because going to that church would open doors for you in the community regarding business or other things. And so we have had a whole generation of people who went to church because it was the right thing to do from the outside, and nothing was right in the hearts of the people inside is what we stress so many times or what we try to do. In fact, we've had this conversation a couple of times in the last couple of days when we have our question and answer period. Somebody always says, well, this is probably a stupid question, and I want us to get rid of that. I want us to get rid of it because we want everybody in the room to feel like their question is real and legitimate and valid and valuable. And we want to break that habit of saying this is probably a stupid question. There are no such things as stupid questions. But what happens is, and what I'm driving at is not to be critical about that, but to point out how how it is so easy to slip into the idea of putting on a front. And nobody really knows who you are and therefore doesn't know how to help you in your spiritual walk. Purity of heart must never be confused with outward conformity to rules. God is not just wanting us to put on a face and pretend there we're certain things. He wants us to have an openness of heart that struggles. Now listen, purity of heart must never be confused with outward conformity to rules. Because it is the heart which must be pure, this attitude, this beatitude, interrogates us with awkward questions like these. What do you think about when your mind slips into neutral? When you sit down and your mind just wanders, where does it wander how much sympathy do you have for deception no matter how skillful God in heaven we live in a culture that just lies to each other all the time and nobody expects anything different how much to what To what, excuse me, to what do you pay consistent allegiance? What do you want more than anything else? You may think this is a little odd, but I tell you today that I had a Christian person say to me, a while back now, they do not attend our church, And the conversation came up about music. And there was a song they didn't like. And it was the song that said, Jesus is all I need. They said, I don't like that song. Why don't you like this? Because I need more things than Jesus. I need food and clothes and friends and family. And that's really not the point of the song. (laughs) The point of the song is that without Jesus, none of the other things you have, have any eternal worth. What is most important to you? What do you want more than anything else? What and whom do you love? I, I, I don't want to meddle, so I'm not going to fill in the blanks here, but God the, God, the Holy Spirit can do that. And, you, and I, what I'm trying to lay the framework of, we're in a real mess regarding purity of heart. Now listen to this one. This one comes, kind of tops off, goes back to the beginning. He says this. Now listen, children, please listen. To what extent do your actions and words constitute a cover-up for what is in your heart. To what extent do your actions and words constitute a cover-up? In other words, you found out how to do certain things and say certain things, but you only do them so nobody knows what's really happening in here. And we do it even in the church. I've told you before. And it's dangerous. It's a dangerous confession. And I don't think I'm as bad as I once was. But I would say the title still applies. I'm a hider. I've learned how to say the right things to the right people. Sometimes, for convenience, sometimes for protecting myself from personal hurt. The pure in heart, we don't think of it that way. So we come to this question, oh God, blessed are the pure in heart. And I I see that I, and at least I hope I'm not the only one in the room who can see the brokenness of my heart and cry out to God, how do I? Well, let's get some of the good news, okay? We laid out the bad news today. We're in a mess. So let's get to some of the good news. Number one, blessed are those who are pure of heart now by virtue of God's justifying work of grace. That means that God has declared us righteous when we put our faith in Jesus. And God does then, in that moment, what you and I can't do. He creates a clean heart. He gives you a clean slate and puts you on the right path. Listen to this passage from psalm 51 which we read last week actually i'm going to read psalm 51 to you create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me now let me back up just a moment we're talking about david and this is at the point where david has committed adultery with bathsheba he slept with a woman he wasn't married to he killed her husband to cover up the crime when he found out she was pregnant Now, we take that and we listen to the scripture where we take out one verse, one verse, maybe two verses where it says David had a heart after God. I think that's in the New Testament, in fact, but if I'm wrong. So we have David being called a man after God's own heart, and yet he goes out and does this horrible thing. Now, we're not told much about David's life. He began as a teenager, and when the story ends, he's so old and decrepit they have to get a virgin to sleep with him to keep him warm at night okay this is how old he has become and how weak and frail he has become we don't know a whole lot about him in between but here's something we do know the people idolized him they called him the light of israel in one place they thought he was the greatest thing since buttered bread this is david this is our king And David may have, may have, may have fallen prey to listening to the PR. You're such a great guy that he thinks it's all right if I do this. And what David instantly recognizes then is that something's wrong with my heart. And he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. And you say, Pastor, what do we do when we're faced with the ugliness of our hearts? We cry out to God for heart transplants to do a work in the inside out and not try to do the work from the outside in it never works like that listen to this from ezekiel i will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your idols i will cleanse you and i will give you a new heart and a new spirit And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What do I do in the face of my own impure heart? I don't just take up a new habit and try to do a little harder. I cry out to God for a new heart, a new start, a new beginning. And I can tell you, children, please hear it. This is where this whole thing comes in. It's in my second point. I'm getting ahead of myself. Number two, blessed are those who are pure by virtue of God's work, by, God's, by virtue of God's sanctifying grace. Now, sanctification is a big fancy word. It simply means to be set apart. It means that over time, God works to make us what he's declared us to be. That's why you never despair of where you are spiritually. Now, I never liked this song because I thought it was too flippant, and it's an old song, 20, 30 years ago. I thought it was, nah, that's too flippant. I don't think we ought to, you know. But you'll remember it, won't you? I think many of you will. He said, he's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. The sun and the earth and Mercury and Mars. But he's still working on me. And this is the message of Christianity. You do not become perfect overnight. But God begins a change in your heart where you begin to see things differently. And you begin to pursue God in the way that he would wish to be pursued. Listen to 1 John, I, I did not, I did make a slide. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Right now, because of your faith in God, you are His child. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. In other words, the fullness of what we will be in Christ, isn't visible yet. John's not the only one who says that. Paul in the book of Romans says, the children of God cry out for the manifestation. The creation cries out for the manifestation of the children of God. For the completion of what God is doing in their hearts. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is and everyone who has this hopes and everyone this is the problem when you memorize the scripture in one version and you try to read it in another version it's a real minefield okay That when he appears, we should be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, hopes in Christ, purifies himself even as he is pure. The fact that I am going to see the Messiah in all of his glory drives me to look at my life and look at my heart and make confession and apply myself Remember what I've told you in the past, children. It is impossible for us to be sinless, one word. You can't be sinless in this life. Paul said, in me, in this flesh, there dwells no good thing. Till the resurrection morning and this stuff is transformed, the corruptible puts on incorruption, I cannot be sinless. But I can sin less, two words. As I grow under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart, and as I, as I submit to instruction and fellowship with fellow believers, I become sensitive, and I, I explore Scripture, and I become sensitive to the things the Holy Spirit says through the Word. Children, when is the last time you wrestled with something? you wrestled with it god was saying this and you're saying no, no that's not what thirdly blessed are those who will be pure in heart when they stand before him in glory We start out and we recognize the brokenness of our heart. Can you imagine the people that Jesus is crying out to or he's speaking to that day and they hear this and they say, blessed are the pure in heart, those who are single-minded about God. Oh, this is the condition of our hearts. We're drawn aside all the time in fact listen to this passage from james it's it's important because i want to just try to bring in two thoughts i wasn't sure where to put them in the in the text so please give me just a moment hear this first let no one say when he is tempted i am being tempted by god For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Temptation proves that I'm susceptible to things, and I overcome those temptations through the presence and power of God. And when I don't, I cling to God. I cling to him. I remember that he said, Whosoever comes to me, I will not cast out. The second thing I want you to remember, and these are two things temptation and lamentation. All of us have lived, and we will live. And if you haven't lived, you will. You know, we were talking, I was talking to uh, Jacqueline the other week at the hospital. And you've heard me say this. And I, 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 I don't say it in a spirit of boasting, but gratitude. And you might think it's an exaggeration. But where I stand, I don't see it as an exaggeration. I honestly think I have an almost perfect life. But the other day, I had to set in the hospital. And this little baby's in there. And we can't do anything. And I told her, I said, I have no clue what you guys are going through. Sooner or later, many of you will face that moment. Something similar like it. And when that moment comes, some of you will say, oh God, why? And you should not think that that question proves the impurity of your heart, but that God may be using that to draw you to the place where you realize that if I do not have Him, I do not have anything. And I grow in my relationship with God and I cling to my faith in Him And I see that with every failure, with every trial, with every test that I become, the shackles of this life are broken off. And one day, it happens. And we see him. And these bodies are changed. And the dead wake up and come from the graves, their bodies wake up and come out of the graves. And we see Him. This is what I would suggest to you and leave with you this morning about the pure in heart. That it is not just about all kinds of other things, but what's going on in here. And though the problem is so great, listen, listen, listen. He chose to save you knowing how bad your heart was. In eternity past, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. He knew how bad you were. That's why you don't have to be a hider like me. Because He knew how bad you were. And He says, oh, it's, it's incredible. When you go back to the Old Testament and read in the book of the law, Moses, and, and it's, God is talking through Moses. And He says, you're bad, 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 bad. And I'm choosing you to be my people anyway. (laughs) Wow, wow, this is the message. This is the hope of the gospel children. That the brokenness and darkness of our hearts is not the end of the story. We serve a great God who rescues and redeems and makes us what he calls us to be. Amen. Oh God, our King and Father, thank you so very much for this day.